Welcome to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fullick. People, organizations, and communities need to prepare for and respond to natural and man-made disasters in a timely manner and in the most effective way possible. Our program examines what is being done before, during, and after a disaster and those unexpected events to keep you in the know. Disasters can happen to anyone. The question is, when will it happen to you? Now, here is your host, business continuity and disaster planning expert, Alex Bullock. Welcome to another episode of Preparing for the Unexpected. I'm your host, Alex Bullock, and as always, we like to talk about things related to security, business continuity, resilience, anything that helps you, your organization, or your community prepare for, respond to, and overcome adverse situations. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please feel free. You can find me on LinkedIn. I am the only Alex Fullick there. I'm really easy to find, and I do respond to everything I get. Today, we have a different kind of uh, topic, uh, something that I think is going to be rather interesting, and I hope a lot of uh, business leaders and uh, community leaders really pay attention to this topic. We're going to be talking about accessibility in cyber response and other plans, not just cyber, and I want to welcome to the show today, Justin Murhoff. Justin, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alex. Thank you for having me and for this opportunity. Now, I know we've had a couple of emails back and forth about uh, you know what we're going to talk about and a little bit about yourself. Could you take a minute or two and tell uh, our global listeners a little bit about yourself, what you do, and how you got into what you do? Yes, uh, my name is Justin Murhoff, and I have been doing cybersecurity uh, for 26 years uh, before it was started. Uh, I'll do a quick fun one. Um, I did it through military service. That's how I broke in. And I was uh, in a military van, communications van in the back of it. And I thought I was Tom Arnold from True Lies. That was my, because <laughs> I've always been a spy nerd. Um, not Not overtly, but I thought I could help, you know, help the agents. And that's what I thought my job was going to be. And it's not exactly what it was, right? But it did teach me um, what I ended up doing my my whole my whole career, right? So I've been doing cybersecurity, but for twenty five years of it, I didn't know about the importance of accessibility. And though working in government positions, corporate positions, I never once or through security training, through um, you know, the different organizations, I don't want to point anyone out, but even in the universities, it's not really talked about. So I wasn't aware and I became aware. And the first thing um, that came to mind is when we're doing security and specifically like with the topics that you um, talk about with disaster recovery and um, uh, business recovery, right, is um, making sure that they actually are covered and, and they know what you're you're teaching and that that's accessible. And it probably wasn't in a lot of the positions that was in, in the document. So we'll talk more about that today, but that's kind of my background is I, I'm so glad that I have my cyber experience so I can help um, others in cybersecurity become aware of this importance. And this is one of the steps to do that. Well, great. Well, welcome to the show. I'm glad you're here. So my first question to you is going to be a pretty easy one. What is accessibility? Doesn't mean the answer is easy, but <laughs> you know, for those that may not know, what 
is accessibility mean? Accessibility means that things are accessible to be used by anyone. I'm, that's not the true definition. But where we're going to be talking about is kind of dabbling in both. We're going to be talking about digital accessibility and accessibility. And where it has importance in cybersecurity is the documentation and the communication that you have about disaster recovery and all of the security programs. But I'm, I'm trying to talk to this to assistive technologies to be able to pick that up. And I'll use, it's not, accessibility is a spectrum, right? Let me go back to that. Accessibility is a spectrum. So making sure that things are physically accessible and digitally accessible is going to be points that you're going to want to have for any disaster recovery or business recovery program. Um, the information that you're teaching them needs to be consumable. So we'll talk about documentation and communication. If your policies and procedures are not accessible to assistive technology, and I will use, I'm going to use screen readers as an example. It's not the only portion for accessibility because screen readers are used by many different users, blind users, um, dyslexic uh, dis uh, users, uh, users that have dyscalculia potentially. And I've even um, started to pick it up because I can consume more information quicker if I turn up the um, the audio speed of the reader and I can actually consume PDFs and books about cybersecurity faster than if I was just reading it. So if the screen reader can't read the PDF and see the table that they're supposed to use on who to contact in case of a disaster, then your document is unusable. Mm -hmm. So it even goes even beyond that. So the training, the prep, and because that, that's 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 the key to be success in this field, right? Is we need to be prepped because we never know when it's going to happen. Right. Well. Call back to Steve Hindle giving me a shout out. I'll give him a shout out. <laughs> it goes to the physical part. You're building these programs to make sure that everyone can can react. Well, if they can't receive the training, so if you're doing a digital training, or you're having, you know, or you're doing a conference, if you're not making sure that that information that you're trying to get out is accessible to everyone. Then, then it's kind of pointless. Um, let's talk. Let's talk Cybersecurity Awareness Month. So a lot of uh, great content is coming out, right? Great images, great posters, digital posters, you know, um, pictures, um, and, and video. Well, if if the picture has something that really needs to be consumed, right? If the point that you're trying to get across is in that image, you're missing a, a pretty big population if it doesn't have alternate text. So for, again, I'm not only talking about, I'm just using screen reader users because I think it kind of uh, helps people understand that the solutions that are being used need to have accessibility and be able to have it because if they're not designed or um, developed to do that, 
no matter what it is, the training, the documentation, then the people can't use it. And the second I found that out, I'm like, wait, not everyone's knowing how to re respond to a disaster. Like that's a problem. Well, how so, did, that's a good question. How did you come across that to, and realize that, hey, there's a, a, a significant or a good portion of people that really aren't, you know, we're, we're not reaching. I lucked into it, it, my new role. So I became the director of um, security at DQ Systems, which they are um, a digital accessibility um, services and um, solutions company. And in my role of being the director, I started looking at security differently because I have to make sure that all of my security solutions are accessible, that my policies are accessible, that my training is accessible. When I send an email newsletter talking about the latest threats or the cool things that we've done, if I use images that I make sure that there's alternative text, if I'm doing campaigns, right? Especially for Cybersecurity Awareness Month, that the content is consumable to my, to who to who I'm whom I'm serving. Right. I think a lot of people tend to when they think of accessibility, they think of the physical. And now, correct me if I'm wrong. When I think of physical, I'm thinking how we get into buildings, you know, ramps, those kind of things. Is is that correct? Yes. So let's go to the digital part. Yeah. So if I'm a blind user and I'm told that I need to log into this website to do the training, right? And I go to the username and password element, right? The section. If it wasn't coded correctly to provide um, like what that element is, and because if, if not, it's just gonna be two boxes on it. It's just gonna say, oh, this is a bot. Like it's not gonna know what that box means. So then they're gonna have to ask someone else to help like where on this is because my screen reader can't pick up where I can put in my password, username and password. Well, if they have no one around, then they're gonna have to use other technologies. So there are technologies now where sighted users um, can be used from like a crowdsourcing app. Um, and it's a beautiful app, Be My Eyes, and it helps people um, get connected with sighted users to help them. But then they get their cell phones on their work login, and now someone in some country, we don't know where they are, yeah. now has that information. And now the vulnerable are more vulnerable. Yeah, and I guess we can't also assume that um, somebody who is uh, you know, blind or, or something else automatically has somebody within reach who can help anyway. Right, and let us let me make sure that I'm also <clears throat> fulfilling the spectrum um, of accessibility. So here's the other portion of policies that's a huge topic that I'm trying to get across is the policies need to be consumable. Most people don't know what the frick we're talking about. I mean, you almost have to have some type of knowledge of what we do in cybersecurity to truly consume a policy. That's a problem. They're not, they don't read, they read, they read this once a year, if we're lucky, like, let's be real, right? Yeah. So let's make sure that it's consumable. So then everyone actually gets it. So 
policies need to make sure that they also are at a cognitive level that they can be and these plans these disaster recovery plans are understandable right right now is that all policies or just policies that um are uh relatable to you know cyber or or i would say all because how do you expect like to me most organizations are run by policies and procedures if they're unable to read that policy, but you expect them to do that for their employment, how, how does that work? Right. Yeah. So I would say all policies, not just cybersecurity, but my focus is the fact that most, I, I think most people will have the same realization that I did. You're, we're not protecting everyone. We have open risk right now that no GRC tools is tracking. No one's tracking this. Not not most companies are not tracking the risk that if the security programs, not just technical like like software, the program itself to include disaster recovery and and business continuity, if if they're not made accessible and the people can use them, especially in time of distress, how how it's already going to be a high energy situation, you know, and depending on what it is, right? Now throw into it that they never even got the content. They don't know how to respond because, oh, whoops, uh, I have a Mac. Um, but <laughs> a thumbs up just went on the screen for, for people tracking along, and I didn't mean to do that. But I'll, I'll let you take that. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> So how does leadership then, or what do they need to start doing or stop doing so that accessibility gets a wider uh, recognition and understanding? Because I can guarantee most organizations, they may be addressing accessibility on some levels, because I know in Canada, it is the law um, for uh, new facilities and some other initiatives, but I can guarantee that still means the majority of organizations probably aren't considering this. So what do they need to start doing or stop doing to bring this to the forefront? I think uh, specifically for security practitioners, I think they need to completely relook at all of their solutions and make sure that they are usable. You don't need to send a user feedback form that says, hey, what is your you know, what is your disability or what accessibility do you need or, or, or a solution do you need to do this? Rather, hey, we're re-looking at all of our security solutions and send it to everyone. We're re-looking at all of our security solutions to ensure that they're usable. If you have had any issues with this tool in the past or currently are having this issue, please reach out to the security team because we want to reevaluate our solutions to ensure that everyone is secured equally. I think you brought a, an interesting point there. Um, you mentioned sending out a survey. If you already haven't been addressing accessibility, sending out a survey doesn't fix that because the people who are already having a challenge would have a challenge with the survey. Potentially, if the survey is inaccessible, I would make sure that the survey is accessible. That's a great point. Yeah, uh, it would, I would be make sure counterintuitive. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, no, you're right. 
And another point I would add is not everyone's going to fill out the survey. I mean, that's a known fact, but I think it's a starting point because the other point is most people, from what I'm learning, most people that are going through this, they truly need things to be accessible. They're so used to it not happening that to me, I, I would hope that if they start seeing these, they're like, oh, they want to help me. They actually want to help me. Because right now, unfortunately, and I know and, and I'm not trying to call anyone out and, and we're trying to do the right thing. I thought I was doing the right thing for 25 years mm -hmm. and I wasn't. So. You think some people are afraid to point out that, hey, I need assistance with reading my screen or whatever the case may be. Do you think that's something that people um, still are afraid to do? Because Not afraid, but they shouldn't have to do it. And I'll give an example. I just talked to a leader that actually is going through this. So on top of, yes, needing accessibility to do their role, that's not there right now. So they just have to do their role. They have to do their role. They have to be, do their life. They have to be part of their family. Maybe they don't have time to champion for this. And it's, and I get that. Like, yes, people should, if they, if they need help, they should ask, but that's a common problem in everything, right? Like we, we say that constantly, if we watch a documentary and something sad happened, like they, they should have just asked, well, you weren't in their situation, right? Like you, and to me, here's a, a, another thing. And this might not be a popular opinion, but most things in the digital space are not accessible beyond your cybersecurity. Accessibility is not a feature request. So, you know, that's essentially like, well, they need to ask us for it to be accessible. It does not work. Your website does not work with their assistive technology. They can't use what you're selling them or what you've sold their company that they work for. Right. So why is that a feature request? It's broken. Yeah, that's interesting. You know, well, you didn't get it because you didn't ask for it. Well, uh, if you're not, that kind of says you weren't even considering accessibility to start with, right? Like right. it's not something that you're either selling your customers and it's probably not something you're even doing within your own organization. Both, right, exactly. Yeah. Right. It's interesting. So how do you, how do you go about changing that? Awareness. We've got about uh, four or five minutes till we take a break, but uh, you know, do you have any any ideas on how do we start that? Change? Awareness. Awareness. It, it, it has to start with awareness and education. Um, I think what what needs to truly happen is all cybersecurity education programs, regardless if they're in the universities or not. Um. On top of actually making their training accessible, they need to start teaching about the importance of accessibility and how it intersects with accessibility because it 100% does. If the solution is not accessible, they're going to circumvent it. They have to. They're trying to do their job or they're trying to live their life. They're going to, they've hit adversity their whole life or since they've become, um, become newly disabled. They're already doing that. Let's stop adding to that. 
I, I couldn't help but think that maybe um, the word biases cropped up uh, as you were talking in, in my head here. Do you think that maybe, um, you know, for, for those that aren't aware of accessibility, we have uh, a potential bias or assuming that if I hear nothing, there's no issue. If I see yes. nothing, there's no issue. I did for 25 years. I, I, I know it like, I've knowingly bought software. I've knowingly rolled out software and I didn't do any use. I didn't ensure that um, to include people with disabilities in my, in my user testing. No, I didn't. I should have. And I will now, but I, no, I didn't know. And And that's the thing we do. But in those, in all those courses, right. I'm not, I don't want to say names or universities, but we we don't learn about it they, they'll teach us about security culture right and security awareness and you can get certified in security culture and awareness are they and i might be wrong but are we ta- are we talking about accessibility especially since our field and as much as every field we're really pushing dei right and and inclusion in our field well, let's truly do it then that's my that's my now that I become aware, I want to help others not go as long that I did. And um, hopefully we can push this for change. It's kind of like uh, having a, a new house and uh, cybersecurity. We're focusing on you know making sure the front door is locked and all secure, mm-hmm. but completely forgetting about the windows. They're wide open, not locked at all, You know because we're not talking about them. We're all talking about the entrance and the exits. You know, right. and completely forgetting about the windows. Yeah, right. that, that that's what I, I I was thinking there as you were saying that. And on the on the door key, uh, there's probably not Braille on it, so it's probably not accessible. How do they know what number is what? Unless there's audio that tells them what it is, or they can use it with their phone. I, I remember in a past life, uh, many. <clears throat> cough cough many years ago <laughs> uh we used to have a bray when i worked in restaurants we used to have a braille menu and i have not seen one um in a very long time i haven't either you know um but we had one when uh way back when and i was surprised um, and now talking with you that's just kind of clicked in my head going did it just go away did we just well- I think te- I think technology potentially, because um, if it's also assuming that everyone has a cell phone, right? So that's not really inclusive. But there are applications that you can just hover it over it and and can tell, or you can use Be My Eyes and have someone help you with the menu. But yes, I, I think the option should be there. I'm not negating that. I'm just stating that. Probably because there's technology that can help. Yeah, yeah. I, I maybe the next time I go in a restaurant, I'm going to ask just out of yeah. curiosity. Yeah, just out of curiosity. Exists. Yeah, you know, it's, it's been a while, so I think I'll ask that. Well, we've come to the end of our first segment. We're talking about accessibility in cyber and our other resilience and business continuity plans with Justin Murhoff, and we will be right back.
Want to see what Voice America is up to behind the scenes? Follow us on TikTok at Voice America Talk Radio. How do you cultivate braver, more daring leaders? And how do you embed the value of courage in your culture? How do you take charge of your life and achieve your goals and bring about positive changes that propel you forward? On The Leader's Edge, join your hosts, Steve and Ernie, as they bring a mix of insights in personal and leadership growth that shapes your culture and the culture around you. Lean in and learn intentionally how to accelerate into your next best life. Tune into The Leader's Edge with Ernalita DeCumos and Steve Steele, Thursdays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Sustainable success is just around the corner. If you are an entrepreneur, business leader, or anybody looking for their next level of success, tune into Sustainable Success with host Chris Salem. Did you know that the path to success is a long path that started many years ago? The path you started on then determines what is happening now. Chris and his amazing guests in their field will help you navigate the path to sustainable success every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Preparing for the Unexpected with Alex Fuller. Email your questions to info at stone-road.com. Again, that's I-N-F-O at stone-road.com. Now back to Preparing for the Unexpected. Welcome back. Today, we are talking with Justin Murhoff about accessibility in cyber plans and our business continuity plans and resilience initiatives. Uh, Justin, in the, the first segment, a lot of great information there. Thank you very much. You, you mentioned risk. So I'm wondering, what is the risk to organizations that don't uh, um, focus on accessibility concerns or do anything about them? What What is the risk? So the risk is active now. I mean, especially for major organizations, but just because it one in five uh, people working today have a disability. So if... The risk is if the solutions, and when I mean by solutions, the documentation, the technical solutions, the the security program itself, if the solutions aren't made for everyone to be able to be equally on the same path of being secure, that's the risk. If they're not trained, they're not going to use your security solutions. If the so if the training is not accessible, that's that's your first risk because then you're hoping that they know what to do. They're going to be unguided and untrained. Okay. And then the solutions that you're asking them to do in that training that they didn't learn, if those solutions aren't accessible, then it's kind of broke. It's, it's kind of pointless. 
right? So right now, people are actively having to circumvent your security to be able to do their jobs by, like we talked about in the last call, utilizing a friend or a, a, a partner or a stranger that's cited to help them. Um, or if it's cognitive, hey, I can't read this policy. I do not understand this and have someone else read that for them and say, yeah, go ahead and sign it. That's a risk, right? right. So because these, these disaster plans that we have, these companies are supposed to reach everyone in the company. Are Does everyone in the company have a technical background and an expert in disaster recovery? No. no so it needs to be consumable. Yeah, some of these people are expected to respond to right. a list of right. you no know, activities or something. But if they can't read or access it, well, then it's going to slow down what you expect to happen. Right. So there's active risks right now. And I'd even say, if you have a publicly traded company, you might want to get in. You might want to start looking at this because if if you're not making sure that your solutions are accessible that response time that you have to have if you have an incident i mean you're going to probably potentially have more incidents because you you have people working at your company that are are untrained and they could actually you're also i guess in a way ignoring the feedback and input to some of these plans from people who you i don't want to say ignoring that might not be the right word but um haven't been addressing Right. You know, because they can't read or access these plans, but they may have some good ideas. That, that I'm so glad. Okay. I love your angle there. I'm so glad you just said that. Exactly. So if we make things more accessible, it will become more inclusive because if we allow people to access it and utilize it, then they can give you actual user feedback. They, they're not even being able to use it. They probably don't want to tell you that they're circumventing your security because they're afraid they're going to get in trouble. Yeah. yeah. But it's the only option to them. Right. Because we're not addressing the concerns. We're not, um, we're not being inclusive with them. Right. And let's take neurodiversity into perspective at this. So like to your point, I think you stated like, or it's true is, well, why don't they ask for it, right? Okay. Most people are already intimidated by the security team. Most people <laughs> don't really want to talk to us, right? Yeah, you're falling into the same category as the audit team. <laughs> right, exactly. So if we're not approachable, if we don't treat it as advisors, like to the company and making sure that they're safe, they're never going to come talk to us. And that's another thing is you mentioned the risk. Well, here's the other risk. We're wanting to make sure that our security awareness and culture programs are inclusive. Well, we're at risk because they're not. Right. So how do you go if, if you let's say we do have these um, uh, plans and we have started to address some of the accessibility concerns? How do we go about validating that what we're doing is correct? Like, how do how do we involve everybody with that? I, I again, I think it goes back to to 
to feedback loops. I not not everyone's going to have it, but j- even with your documentation, like let's be to me, I think businesses are becoming more transparent and wanting to hear from and not just dictate policies down. Have just like you know NIST does, have your policies open for um, comments for a certain period of time and say, hey, we're we're working on the policies. You know, I'm I'll you know what I just came up with that. I'm gonna even try to do that. Like have user comments. We, we already have user comments, but to to actually officially do that, I'm gonna write that down. That's a good idea. Like I have user involvement, like not too much. I understand. Uh, that not all of the feedback is going to be used, but you have to you have to take that, right? It's going to happen, but just be open and transparent because this program is for them. It's not you. That's the other problem is most security programs and risk programs are seen as it's like it's it's them. It's like, no, we're trying to protect you and the company. So we all have to interact with this. And if it's not accessible, not everyone can do it. And that kind of creates that them versus us type mentality. Yes, 100%. Yeah. And we need I, to break that down. Yeah. I like the point you just um, <clears throat> made about uh, involvement as well. If you're doing the, if you're opening up your policies to everybody to to provide input and thoughts, you know, and, and to your point, not doesn't mean every single thing will be adopted, but that also helps create uh, a culture, a better Bingo. culture within the organization, right? And ownership of part yeah. being part of the program, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that certainly would help with um, you know our res- resilience plans and your know, business continuity plans because then uh, you know, it doesn't matter. There there could be somebody who um, has twenty twenty vision and somebody who doesn't have as strong as vision could still be the backup to the other person. And if everyone is contributing, well, then you know, you're not leaving out people either. You know, or you have a disability because I don't want to say I've seen it, but I've heard it talked about that in an organization years ago, well, no, we can't use that person because X, Y, Z, you know, reason. And which isn't good. I'm shaking my head. Yeah, it, it's not good, but at the same time, if we do this, then we can actually change that mentality. It's like, hey, I don't care if that person has any kind of challenges, whatever they are, they can still be my backup because we have considered their concerns. We are addressing accessibility. Yes. Yes, because you're you're including them. Yeah. Like, it, and then, yeah, I could go that. Yeah. Go ahead. Say more. I know you want to. It's because we we need to be ta- teaching accessibility in, in in actual schools, like in the states K through twelve, like in element, because it's awareness. It, it, it's literally awareness. Like we're, I, I'm not. I, I don't believe most people are doing this intentionally. And like you said, there there are people to do. It, it does happen. I'm not. I'm not saying it doesn't. But I think we're so focused on the fact that there are so many risks that we're tracking, right? That we are aware of and we're trying. Actually, you know what? That goes to my point. 
they're probably not looking for the risks in accessibility because they weren't taught to look for that risk in the mm. GRC course that they were taught. Right. So why would they go look for it? It's it's completely not in there. I'm using my hands like it's to like widen, like it's not in their left or right. Like it, they don't know. Kind of one of those, they don't know what they don't know type situations. Yes. Correct. But if it's brought forward, uh, you know, even in one day, you know, this is a concern you need to talk about when you get into your business life, then it's something that's going to trigger at some point going, hey, have we ever considered accessibility here? And the other risk is lawsuits, because mm -hmm. in Canada, in the US, in Europe, um, there are laws already um, that are being broken right now by companies that it's just it's just happening and until that gets brought up and they get aware of it it's it's going to continue to happen so the other challenge that's going to that people will see when they try to make their security programs and risk programs um and disaster recovery programs accessible is the tooling is not accessible because a lot of our industry we utilize digital tools right well, they're not accessible, but what we're going to need is we're going to need the security teams and architects to understand about accessibility. So when they're looking at the tool, that's one of the checks. Hey, is this accessible? That's 100% something that the security team can add to when they're doing vendor um, risk assessments. Yeah, because there's a lot of organizations right now, uh, and I see it, and I was actually in a meeting the other day, where someone said, okay, when we go live with this product, you know, uh, make you know, let's make sure we do the testing for the web and mobile. So it, it's, you know, it, well, if you're doing that now, is it accessible either way for somebody? You know, it's 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 like another requirement for your, for your project, mm -hmm. you know? You know, uh, internal and external, you know, for your internal users and hopefully your external buyers or, you know, purchasers, partners. Right. Exactly. And, you know, another aspect um, that I think is actually good for companies is I think buyers and partners and other companies, they want to work with companies that are inclusive. I think that does matter. I mean, I know that I've heard of people not taking roles because they looked into the DEI program and it wasn't to, to what they wanted. So they, they went with the other role. You think that sometimes they, people try organizations, I should say, uh, try to just cover the surface. Yes. Make it look like the, like DEI. The biggest part of that is the visual, you know, cause we, we see that. But then when you dig deeper, it doesn't matter. You know, you still are not empowered. You still don't aren't inclusive. You still don't get to provide your feedback. You know, you, all the other pieces, you know, and I know there's a lot more than that, uh, but it's just a visual. So accessibility, the same thing, you know, uh, we, if we look as though we're accessible, then that's fine. Right. So we we right. won't go deeper into it. Well, I'll even say this and. I will call I will call them out. There are authors of DEI books 
that only have hardcover versions. How is that in this day and age an inclusive medium for a book? And I've heard, you know, well, it's on the publisher. And go make it so. Like, what what are we freaking talking about? Like, yeah. if you want your content to be consumable, find a publisher that supports it. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, it, that just doesn't compute to me. And then the other portion is, I don't think that most DI programs, even if they're fully good and running, I mean, some are, but in my short understanding and talking with my colleagues, uh, accessibility is often missed in an inclusion. Because if it was truly included, we wouldn't be having this conversation that the solutions aren't accessible. Right. Yeah, agreed. So with executives, how do we get about getting them to make a change? Because change tends to happen from the top down, whether we like it or not. You know, uh, How do you go about getting them to make a change to spread that out to the organization to make accessibility a an initiative a concern or a part of dei or you know how do you go about getting them to change or the board of directors you know how do you depending get depending on the leadership i think it depends on the leadership in the company but i'll, I'll give a couple i mean tell them the money right like you're missing out on a huge portion of of a budget. I, I I don't want to botch this, but I believe the website is billion strong or it's billion dash strong. Um, and it, and it talks about there's over a billion people that have disabilities in this world. So are you excluding them from consuming your product? Yes, you are. And yeah. it's not accessible, right? So that's one. So if we're talking like with product and then two, I think, you know, again, it's awareness like that we need to get the security leadership and the people that are in our industry that are the leaders that are, are shaping like what the CISOs cover and what is important. Accessibility needs to be in that conversation because you're talking about all this stuff at this conference, these conferences and all these great tools that you're making. They're not accessible. So, I mean, it's just completely missing it. Um Hearing stories of people once they're you know brave enough to to share that, I think that will help. Um, awareness labs. There are different um, ways. I think there's some in Canada, um, uh, but trying to uh, relate and put yourself in their shoes. Um, even even like a little exercise of you know closing your eyes and trying to listen to what we're talking about right now. And if I'm making hand motions and everything, which I am right now on the video, if I didn't tell you that right now, you would have no idea. And if, and, and if Alex makes a comment of, Hey, weird hand movement, like you've probably listened to podcasts and then you're like, Oh, I probably need to watch the YouTube version because it didn't translate. Right. Cause there's something going on that there wasn't an audio description of so you get you get what i'm saying yeah how do you how do you flip that <laughs> so we, we you just talked about your leadership what they can do but if i am a, someone who is uh i have accessibility concerns or issues 
how can I help educate, you know, go the other way? What, what kind of things can I do? I, I think having, um, I've read, read the book and done the train, a crucial conversation. I think it, it is going to be hard and we cannot expect everyone to do this because we have people that are neurodiverse. And that's another thing. If there are people, you know, get an advocate to help you, right? There are people that want to help. So I'll put it out there. If you need to talk to your leadership, your security team about making something accessible, my my email is justin.murhoff at deque.com and I will help you. I will help translate that for your team because it's very important to me that we're really securing everyone. Um, but I think it is. I, th- I think you're right. But we have to also understand that we cannot expect everyone to ask for that. So it, but I get your point. What is the other, because you're looking for solutions. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like tips. What are the kind of things that we could do all around? You know, I have one that I'm doing right now. And I, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, Go ahead. So on LinkedIn, um, I started a hashtag called um, uh, alt text of image in this post, where if someone posts um, an image that actually has content that needs to be consumed, because that's another thing. Not everything needs alt text, because if it's just decorative, then it's just kind of a waste of time. Like, don't really tell. But if it has like details about an event or something on it, and you don't talk about that in the post, well, you need to provide alt text to that, right? Yeah. Um, So, yeah. So we've come to the last four minutes of our show. Do you have any final thoughts or messages you'd like to convey that maybe we haven't touched on or want to reiterate? I think that um, just remember that these programs are not one people. It's it's the organizations and it's it's part of the culture. And to truly do that, you need to be, you need to understand what the culture is. So here's a challenge. Go back to your organization and see if you actually are doing this. If you are, and if you are, please let me know how you're doing it. Cause that would be awesome because I would love to learn, but um, I'm pretty confident that it's not at most um, organizations and that I don't want to silo this information, right? I'm not charging for this. Like that's why I also want to do these shows is I want more people to become aware so that we can actually get this change. I cannot do this on my, by myself. Right. Um, the other thing too, is we, we will, we'll talk more about it in the next, we'll, we'll do a little teaser is uh, I, I think we also need to make sure that the, um, the regulations around the risk programs, they need to be made accessible. We can talk about that more. Well, we've got a couple of minutes. You can mention it now. Yeah, I mean, if you have the regulations like NIST that back and different you know, control sets that back the disaster recovery programs and everything, if it says how to build a program and it doesn't state that it needs to be accessible, then you're kind of missing the mark. And then the actual regulation itself, those need to become accessible because there are images and tables and different elements that are not 
um, able to be uh, consumed um, by people with assistive technologies. Right. Well, Justin, we've come to the end of the show. Thank you so much for sharing all your insights on this topic. Awesome. It was uh, really uh, insightful. Uh, I think there's a lot of uh, new thoughts here, and I hope a lot of uh, people in our industry and other industries uh, really pay attention to this because Appreciate we are missing out. You know, if Thank we, you, Alex. And we shouldn't be excluding anybody. And um, so I really enjoyed what you had to say and what you had to share today. I, thank you very much. Thank you for the opportunity. And um, if anyone wants to learn more, please reach out. Thank you so much. Will do. And everyone watching and listening, stay prepared, everybody. Thank you for joining us for Preparing for the Unexpected. Please tune in for another edition featuring your host, Alex Bullock, next Thursday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. We'll see you here next week.